Good morning, everybody here at HDB and everybody watching online. It's so lovely to be with you today. Today, we're going to be looking at the book of John, chapter 14, verses 16 to 20. So if you could go there on your Bibles, if you just switch them on and click there. And this is Jesus speaking. He says this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you in me, and I in you. The title of today's talk is How to Overcome Loneliness. I'm so excited personally that tomorrow restrictions are being lifted. Is anybody else excited? Yeah, online, are you excited? Good, because the last 17 months have been so difficult for me. The feeling of being alone. I've lived alone the whole of lockdown. And I think I've watched everything on Netflix, everything on Amazon Prime, And at at one point, I was going to the gym for about three to four hours a day, and somebody said, something's probably not right. Um, And then I realized I was just trying to keep so busy because I wanted to get away from the deafening sound of what it meant to be alone. I don't know about you, but when I'm alone, it's like my problems just feel so much bigger. I sometimes just feel like I'm a small island in the middle of the ocean, surrounded by my problems when I'm alone. I found a definition of what loneliness meant, and this is what I found. It says, it's a separation anxiety brought on by the feeling of being disconnected, out of touch. It's a loss of intimacy or belonging, feeling abandoned and isolated. And loneliness is simply our emotional flight or fight response. It's our bodies telling us that we're in need of connection. In a recent study, one out of three people say they feel alone every single day. So look at the person to your left. Now look at the person to your right. Either one of them or you needs a hug after the service, but still a cautiously cautiously distanced hug. And if you're online, just hug yourself. Um, We would think that in a world that is so connected with mobile phones, with social media, with dating apps, We feel like we should have dealt with this problem, but actually we're more lonelier than ever. 80% of people from the ages of 18 to 30 say they struggle with loneliness. Have you ever felt alone? How have the past 17 months of isolation and lockdown affected you? Well, today we're going to look at what Jesus says, what he says to his disciples on how they they can overcome loneliness. This is Jesus' last 12 hours. It's called the farewell discourse. He was about to be taken. And this is what he says to his disciples. And this is what we're going to learn and how we can overcome loneliness. And the first thing that I found that Jesus says to his disciples is to prioritize real community. From John 14, 18 to 20, it says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more. 
but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And in that day, you will know that I am in the Father, you in me, and I in you. Jesus told his disciples because he knew he was about to be taken. Jesus was about to be crucified. Jesus was God made man in the flesh. And Jesus came to live the life that none of us could live, to pay the penalty that none of us could pay. On the cross, Jesus took all our sin. And sin is just the bad things that we've done. He paid the penalty on the cross for our sin so that anyone who were to believe in him could be forgiven. And if the gospel was only about receiving complete forgiveness, it would be incredible. But there's so much more to it. On the cross, we're not only forgiven, but we're adopted into the family of God. God looks out. He knows what you've been through. He knows your situation. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows your past. He knows your future. And he looked out and he said, I want you. I want my, that son and daughter to come home. And he signed the papers for your adoption on the cross. No matter what you're going through, you have a family in heaven who loves you, who wants you, who accepts you. And this is what Jesus was telling his disciples. This is where their strength were to come from. But for me, family and community have always been something difficult to understand. I was born in a prison in Miami. My family are Colombian and my mom was a drug addict and my father's always been absent. So I was brought here to London when I was around three years old to live with my extended family because my mom had to spend some time in rehab. But even my extended family, there's not one marriage in my entire family. I remember coming home from primary school and secondary school and just being alone at home every day trying to find whatever I could from the fridge and warm it up and just put myself to bed. Two days ago, I was just speaking to somebody about this and, and, I re, and it just came out in conversation. But I said to them, I don't think I've ever had an evening dinner with family. And for so long, I was desperately in need of connection. I was desperately in need of family that I did so much that I was ashamed of. At the age of 17, I went to a young offenders prison and then I got heavily involved in drugs until when I was 19, I myself went to rehab for four months. And I was just so desperate for community that I sought it with criminals, I sought it with drug addicts. Now that I look back, it probably wasn't the best place to look for community. But sometimes when we're desperate, we do things and we don't even know how we end up there, like a terrible bumble date that sometimes you can end up on. But even in the midst of all of that, I remember when I became a Christian. I was 19 and I was in this drug den in South London, surrounded by criminals, surrounded by drug addicts, surrounded by immorality. And a man walked in, somebody that we recognized, somebody that we knew, and he spoke to me that day, and I'll never forget it. He came up to me and he was just talking to me as normally as he always spoke to me. And in a moment, it was like his face just, just shifted and his voice and his tone shifted. And, and he just looked at me and he said, Fernando, God loves you and he has a plan 
for your life. Now, I, I don't know how often you tend to go to drug dens in South London, but that doesn't always happen. So I went to a local church that I knew. It was a Latin American church, an incredible church. And I told them what had happened. And they explained to me that Jesus loved me, that he died on the cross to forgive me, and that I was adopted into this family now. And I could do that if I accepted Jesus. And that moment, I asked Jesus to come into my life and that they just completely transformed the rest of my life. But from that moment, when I knew that God loved me and I knew that I was, I was accepted, it took quite some time for that truth to become a reality in my life. Until one day, I was at HDB and somebody was speaking about their real adoption. They were talking about how they were adopted into a family. So I said to my pastor at that time, his name was Pete. I texted him and I just said, Pete, I want to get adopted. Now, <laughs> I don't know what that must have felt like to receive that text. Um, but he was so kind and, and I guess he understood what I meant. And he put me in contact with, with a member of the congregation who's been there for over 20 years and his name's Mark. And we met up that Wednesday and we just started to talk. And I think we spoke the first day for about three hours. So we arranged to talk again the following Wednesday. And again, I spoke for about three hours just about my life, about how I was feeling, about my past, about everything that's good, that was going on in my life. And so we, but we kept on meeting that following Wednesday. And um, I think it's been about four years now where we've met up every single Wednesday for breakfast. I now love Earl Grey tea. I love Lapsang Souchong tea. I still don't know if I say it well. I, I love sourdough bread with marmalade. Um, and it's just been incredible for me having a space where I'm just completely known, where I'm completely accepted, where I'm able to talk about all my mistakes, all my mess, but also share all my victories. And he's just there week in, week out to know me and to love me. And the more I was able to have this real community with somebody, I was able to understand the real community that I had with God and that truth that I was adopted in heaven started to become more of a reality in the way that I lived my life. That's why it's so important for us as we come out of lockdown and as we overcome loneliness to find real community and to prioritize it. So how do we do it? Well, the first thing that we need to do is to ask Jesus into our lives. If you're watching online, there's somebody online who's just been sent this link and you've never asked Jesus into your life, I feel like today's the day that Jesus welcomes you home. You're adopted into a family and you'll never be alone again. But for all of us, maybe you've accepted Jesus already. How do we prioritize community? Well, the first thing, find a group of people who you're able to just speak to about everything in your life. At HTB, we have great connect groups. We have great mentors who would love to walk alongside you for all the members of HTB. But also, you can grab a group of friends and just say to them, we're going to meet at this time. The rules are no telephones, no social media, and we have to be completely vulnerable. Tell them, I want to prioritize real community in my life. You'd be amazed at how many of them would agree because everybody's longing for connection. Everybody's longing to be known. And we can do that. 
So the first thing that Jesus said to his disciples, and that I think he's saying to us, is to prioritize real community. The second thing Jesus says to his disciples is to ask for help. In John 14, verses 15 to 17, 16 to 17, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells in you and will be in you. Four times in this chapter, Jesus uses the word paraclete to refer to the Holy Spirit. And it simply means this, para means beside and cleat means to call. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the one who comes alongside. And other ways this is translated is helper, advocate, comforter, counselor. So no matter what you're going through in life, if you feel down, he's there to support you. If you need advice, he's there to guide you. Whatever you're going through in life, at work, in your families, you have a helper, God the Holy Spirit, who Jesus has said, sent to come alongside you, to help you with anything you need. I remember when um, I was going through such a difficult time. I was around 25 years old and I was with my girlfriend for three years. We were engaged and it was like I finally had like the glimmer of hope that I would be able to have a family. It was something that I always wanted, but it was always so far from me. And now this situation came where I was going to be married and I was already thinking about having children and it was going to be great. But one day to the other, it was all taken away. And almost instantly, the loneliness from my childhood reappeared. It, it was like a ghost that came to haunt me. And even though I was a Christian, and even though I love Jesus, and even though I know that Jesus loved me, I realized that there was more I needed to work on in my life in order to walk in the identity that I had in Christ. So I, I had a job at that time. I was a missionary for London City Mission. And in one of my interviews, I said to them, I need help. And I would like counseling. And they kind of didn't say anything in the moment, but afterwards they said, we'll sort that out for you. They put me in contact with the Salvation Army. It's a counseling service and um, in Stratford, this one in particular, and my counselor's name was Richard. It was incredible. I used to drive an hour to go to counseling, stay there an hour, drive an hour back. It was a horrible looking building, but great people inside. I remember it was on the third floor. It was a green building really, really small with the oldest computer you've ever seen in your life in the corner. And I went to counseling wanting all the answers. I literally had a notebook and I was like, okay, these are my problems. What are the answers? And I just wanted to go in and out, be healed, be gone. Um, I soon realized that that's not quite how counseling works. And Richard would just look at me so patiently and so kindly. And he just said to me, I don't know, why would I have the answers? You're in the driving seat. I hated that answer so much. It just irritated me so much. But after a while, I, I learned to understand that the process of, of counseling means speaking, reflecting, understanding, speaking, reflecting, understanding, speaking, reflecting, and understanding. But after a while, 
there was light at the end of the tunnel. I began to understand why I was the way I was. I began to understand what happened in my childhood. I began to accept myself, which meant I could accept others, which meant that I could allow myself to be accepted by others. And every week, Richard was there to advise me, to comfort me, to help me. Whenever I'd go there crying, he was there. When I'd be angry, he was there. When, when, however I turned up, he was there. And even though he didn't give me direct answers, he was so wise in the way he nudged me in the right direction. And this is what the Holy Spirit is like. Jesus said, it's okay to ask for help. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit to be with you. So how do we ask for help? Well, the first thing is to build and cultivate an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's already with you. He loves you. For some of you, he's going to feel you today for the very first time. For some of you online, the Holy Spirit's already been speaking to you and he's going to feel you today, maybe for the very first time. And a great way that we can learn to cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit, who's a person and who loves you, is by learning to read the Bible reading it every single day to learn his voice, understand his intentions. It's just like meeting and getting to know a friend. When you first get to know them, you don't quite understand what they mean. You don't quite understand why they say certain things. But after a while, when you spend time with them, you start to understand their intentions. You start to understand their heart. And almost before they've even said anything, you already know how they're feeling. Well, it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. The more time we spend reading the Bible, the more time we spend praying, the more we get to know and understand what our helper wants to say to us. I used to pray and quickly rush through the prayer and just walk out of the room. Um, and somebody told me that it was okay to ask the Holy Spirit questions too, to be silent and to listen. And when I started to do that, I was amazed at all the things that the Holy Spirit wanted to say to me. He guided me through so many difficult situations. He comforted me when I was alone and I wasn't in counseling anymore. And he was there for me, but he's here for you too. You don't have to walk through life alone because you have the Holy Spirit. You can ask for help and he will be with you. And another way that we can ask for help is here at HDB, we have incredible places that you can go to find Help. We have a pastoral care team who are here to support all the members of HTB. We have wise prayer ministry leaders who are here to support you and walk alongside you. We can point you in the right directions of counselors and people who can be with you through the difficult times in your life. It's okay to ask for help. You do not have to walk through life alone because He is with you, we are with you, and God is with you. So let's overcome loneliness together by prioritizing real community and by asking for help. Amen.